I'm Jason Hopkins, founder and president of The Connection Project. Welcome to Everyday Brave, a podcast series for emergency responders by emergency responders. We explore real-world issues that each of us face. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and instill hope that we are all in this together. Thank you for joining us on this journey to become more connected to ourselves and others. Let's get started. Today on this episode of the Everyday Brave podcast, I'm joined by Jolene Conway. Jolene is a manager of community development for Sondermine, a behavioral health company focused on making mental health care approachable and accessible. She is also a licensed mental health therapist. As a natural connector, she uses her training and passions to support populations that might not normally reach out for help. By aligning individuals with tools that can make a difference, she is able to meet people where they are, getting them plugged into often unknown support resources. Welcome, Jolene. Thanks for being here today. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So as we jump in here, how did this journey of helping others start for you? Yeah, you know, I think it's easy in retrospect to go way back in time. Um, okay. I really see a lot of kind of tendencies in childhood that led me to to where I am today. Um, probably really starting from a place of, of strong, significant anxiety as a kid. Um, okay. I at times debilitating, not really understanding it and where it, it fit into my world. And um, it, it really became part of my journey growing up. Um, and like I said, retrospect, I, I see where that connected a lot of par- parts of my wellness. Um, and later on, you know, I really got both internal resources and external resources that led me to being able to function <laughs> a right. lot more sound. Um, but that took some time. So that set the stage for me of really seeing the connection between mental health and overall well-being. Um, and then later being able to just continue to pursue that in my adulthood. Um, and, and I think also I always have been very drawn to better understanding how to make people feel um, less lonely, feel more connected, um, and probably feeding into some of that anxiety as well of sure. just not knowing where that begins and ends and not knowing how to really uh, contain that in a way that was was helpful. And gosh, couldn't we all use more of that? Um, you know, being able to, to get plugged in and to not feel so isolated or alone. Um, we see a lot of that. And I think that the, um, the overall effect of that ends up, you know, diminishing our quality of life and people end up in, in stuck places they don't want to be and doing things they don't want to do and having behaviors or or outcomes they wish they didn't have. So I admire you doing this work that you're doing. So obviously your own personal journey sort of put you on this path. Mm-hmm. Like what did that look like from there? Like what were the next steps that evolved into you doing what you're doing today? Yeah, def- definitely wasn't a linear uh, line in, into where I am today. Um, so like I mentioned, I you know I think I had the the luck in some some ways of of having an experience early on that made me very drawn to this profession. So really jumped into the the pathway to being a therapist um, right in college. Okay. Um, being able to pursue that from an educational standpoint, but also then um, gravitating towards the experiences of, of just gathering more understanding of what it means to be healthy. Um, later, it, it really, I saw a huge gap in, in what I was doing with clients. Um, I was really excited about my work, but also finding, um, you know, a detriment to not addressing the whole person. I felt very, um, at times, stuck with only being able to work on coping skills. Sure. Um, and in my journey with with the anxiety, I found a lot of relief with connecting that with um, my physical well-being, um, looking at my nutritional um, health and the way that I was um, 
over exercising, things like that. So okay. I, I went further I wish into I had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always that way. It's it's an ebb and flow. Don't I'm get not me wrong. <laughs> but it really was eye opening for me to to start to look at my clients from a lens of um, beyond the therapy. So went back to school to um, get my integrative um, nutrition uh, okay. certificate as well. So since then, in my private practice, I've really been connecting both of those dots of looking at um, you know from the therapy. View View, how do I support someone for, for their emotional, uh, mental well-being, building the coping skills, really diving in deep uh, in that way? But also, what other components might be at play? You know, chicken or the egg? Um, and that's really the perspective that I've continued to, to, to look at individuals uh, is at that whole being level in my work that I do still in, in private practice. You know, what I've, I've really picked up on in doing this, this Everyday Brave series is wellness is a word that's used a lot. And, mm-hmm. and you and I've talked about, I, I'm not sure there's a really def, a great definition of wellness, yeah. although we're working on it. Um, what do you think are the components of wellness? Like yeah. what, you mentioned nutrition, you mentioned exercise. Obviously, therapy was a, a kind of a core pillar of that. Um, for somebody that's listening, what does wellness encompass? Yeah, I mean, I think my perspective is is really all of that, you know, not having to limit ourselves to compartmentalize into those categories, but in, in fact, starting to use language that recognizes that we're, we're a whole and, sure. you know, mental, emotional, spiritual, um, financial, um, you know, physical, all of those health components um, create our well-being. So I think that neither, um, none of those are more important than the others, but they all really feed off of each other. And I've, I've seen time and time again for, from clients and talking to friends and myself, certainly, because um, I don't have it all figured out. Right. <laughs> when, none of us do. Nope, nope. Um, when, when, when one is off, um, the others seem to fall short as well. And, and when something is stronger, it makes um, our resiliency more, more um, strengthened as well. So really addressing the whole person, I think, would be looking at all of those components, but not necessarily in different realms, but to just really, truly understand that they're all interconnected. Um, and I think just that awareness alone is is powerful for people and takes some of that, um, that pressure off of finding the exact resource to solve the one right. ailment um, off their shoulders. So the word that I see a lot for doing this work that I, I think is not used enough is, is balance. Yeah. You know, I'm imagining when most people start this journey, there's something that's out of balance, um, maybe they have bits and pieces of each of those kind of core pillars um, that you mentioned, and maybe they're missing some areas of it. Do you find that um, – what's what's the starting point for, for people to start doing this work? Is it because they're in so much pain or they're maybe struggling with an addiction or something mm-hmm. else? Like what, what gets them on the path to doing this deeper work? Yeah, I think for a lot of us, it's it's a moment that – we recognize very clearly that we are not functioning where we want to be or where we used to. And it usually feels very focused in on a problem. You know, I have this symptom, I have this problem, and that's a starting point. You know, I I don't think for most the journey ends at just alleviating whatever that symptom is. Let's call it anxiety. Um, It's deeper than that. It's more than that. But it's usually where people can find their starting point of of reaching out for help or at least recognizing that um, their quality of life is not where, where it needs to be. Um, and hopefully that, you know, between gathering internal resources as well as external resources, starting to uncover those layers that generally speaking, especially um, in the populations that we're talking about, um, tend to be 
feeding off of each other. Sure. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. And and again, I think that that I was talking with somebody else. Getting somebody to take that first step is often the most mm-hmm. important step. And I agree with you. It starts with something isn't working. Yeah. You know, and I think we all have that voice inside of us that says, hey, this isn't working or it's different than it used to be. Um, and, and maybe getting to the point where it's too painful to continue doing it that way. So you take action. Um, but I, I think taking the first step often takes the, the biggest act of courage in doing this work. Oh, absolutely. And, and admitting it to ourselves is, is half the battle of just right. being able to say like, all right, something's not right. And right. when we can say that to ourselves and then hopefully be able to externally say that to somebody else, whomever that might be, that is the moment that generally is listening that change. Right. And I think societally, you know, we're not inclined to talk about mental health or mental illness um, specifically, often until it hits our own home, mm-hmm. um, even though we we know statistically we all have mental health. Um, if you have a brain, you have mental health. Um, but somebody, um, everybody is impacted or affected somehow directly or indirectly by this. Um, but it's not something that we have language yet to focus on. So I like the the, the broader approach of, of looking at it from a wellness perspective that incorporates this kind of whole healthness um, in, in helping people look at different pillars that they may strengthen to help overall um, strengthen themselves. So talk about Sondermind. Um, yeah. It's an interesting name. It is. Um, yes. Tell us, tell us about Sondermind. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been lucky enough to be on the Sondermind team for a couple of years. I actually met, um, met them when I was in a previous role, kind of connecting um, physicians with mental health professionals. Okay. Um, and probably no surprise, it was actually very challenging. A lot of physicians had no resources or right. no, no resources they could trust. So at that point, um, I learned about Sondermine and what we were doing and um, was fascinating and said, give me a job. <laughs> so fast forward a couple of years later, um, they somehow were convinced to bring me on. So who Sondermine is, we are a behavioral health network. So okay. what we're really doing is helping to bridge the siloed worlds of those seeking care and those providing care. Traditionally, they've been very separated, and we genuinely believe that we can come together and everybody can benefit from from working, um, you know, uh, together to to build a better way. Um, so our our motto is redesigning behavioral health to become more accessible, approachable, and utilized. Okay. And um, what we're doing is supporting mental health professionals, so licensed mental health professionals, with the administrative aspects of their business, which can be very overwhelming. And I can speak for for many that we're not taught those business um, sides of things in school. We're taught how to be a decent therapist. Um, So we're helping with that. And then in turn, because we have this network of therapists, we are able to support the community. So we look at each new client and and really be able to um, look at their their needs, again, kind of as a whole, and match them to the right therapist based on location, what areas they're looking to address, schedule, um, you know, all those different things that we know, of course, are so important, but tends to be on their burden to figure out, you know, either searching... Right. Uh, Google or going to their insurance directories, which can at times be overwhelming. So Sondermine is taking that lift off of both sides. So we have, at this point, we have about 350 therapists in our network. Wow. Yeah, it's really exciting. And, and you know, like I said, seeing people come together and bridge that silo um, is, is from a payer perspective, from a therapist perspective, from a client perspective, and us being just lucky enough to kind of be in the middle of all that. Well, I'd imagine it makes everything more seamless. 
It does. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, when we look at how we, um, you know, interpret our own success, we're looking at things like access. So, you know, traditionally, if someone's seeking out care, especially utilizing their insurance, which about 80 percent of people wouldn't be able to seek out therapy without utilizing their insurance. Really? Yeah. Which which is probably not surprising. But I think think to hear that they don't want to be diagnosed or have a label or. Um, you know, I think with with insurance, we're it's it's a helping alleviate the cost. So if people are not able to utilize those benefits, it's an add on. So, okay. you know, having a typical session might be anywhere from about one hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars a session. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a valuable um, part of their journey in health, but I think it's also a privileged one to be able to to use cash pay. So, you know, our belief um, for our model is to be able to leverage insurance contracts. So, um, we're able to get people matched um, with the insurance that they're they're with to be able to utilize those benefits that they already have, and then also with the therapist that makes sense for them. Okay. So, rather than just saying oh, this individual takes the insurance um, and they happen to have a a new patient opening, we're also able to extend that. And they are an expert in emergency response or they work specifically with obsessive compulsive disorder or whatever it might be. So it really sounds like, to use different words than what you're saying, it's a tailor-made experience for each client. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to steal that. I love that. I love it. By all (laughs) means, I I didn't make that up. um, That's just how it sounds to me. So um, you just mentioned the emergency responder community. You all have done a lot of work to help support that community. Let's talk about the initiatives that you all Um, are working on as we're doing this Everyday Brave series to work with emergency responders at Sundermind. Absolutely. Yeah. We... I was able to get connected with Responder Strong, which um, I know you've had Rhonda Kelly um, right. on the show, and she's fantastic. Love but her. they're doing such great work with, you know, the the continuation of this. I think the theme of what we're talking about, of course, is that bridge, that connection. And when we connected, we just had such strong alignment on our goals, which was to um, make the mental health world more accessible. And in this case, with emergency responders, I was very humbly introduced um, to what all that means. You know, I, I've had clients in the past that um, happen to be police or firefighters. I have family members. Um, but truly, you know, and very genuinely, I, I've not um, took a deeper dive into that as a clinician. So I was, you know, with with talking with Responder Strong, I really understand and have continued to de- develop that knowledge of how important it is to have clinicians, therapists, people in this field that understand the cultural components of, of what um, those in this population are up against every day. Mm-hmm. So when we spoke, it was really like, hey, how do we connect what Sondermine is already doing, but also keeping the integrity of what it means to be an emergency response therapist? Sure. So um, we we connected uh, their their community with offering to bring some of those clinicians, that therapists that they already have really felt strongly about their quality of work and um, said, hey, we're Sondermine. Want to join? Um, and okay. luckily enough, many people did. And then also turning to our network and saying, who's already doing this work? Who's already has a history of, of strong trauma background, um, possibly already working with emergency responders, military, um, and, and most importantly, has the desire to. Right. And we, we leverage the expertise of Responders Strong to endorse clinicians. By no means does Sondermine <clears throat> step in as the expert of what it means to be um, an emergency response uh, therapist and someone mm-hmm. that's qualified. But instead, we, we leverage that partnership for, for that endorsement. And then that continuation of what I described of being able to 
have that therapist or those therapists be a network with our contracts. Um, we're able to support them from an administrative standpoint. And then in turn, the emergency responders that come to us, we're able to to place into the hands of somebody that has that stamp of approval to keep that, you know, that I keep using the word integrity, but that's the best way I can describe it, to really just feel comfortable that sure. if they're going to make this leap of faith, that it's with somebody that ultimately um, has a better understanding of, of what that means, that of the work that they're doing. Well, what I'm really loving hearing about you guys is that you took this on as an aligned partnership opportunity. So, you know, you all became informed about the culture that you were stepping into, about the clients that you wanted to serve, and you partnered with somebody who's already doing work in that space and then aligned yourself with the best resources to help, um, you know, I- increase or expand your network to, to deal with the emergency responder community. Exactly. Yep. So let's talk about, we. you mentioned a minute ago about the culture in the responder community. Let's talk about that culture because I know Therapy or reaching out is not something that most emergency Mm -hmm. responders culturally are trained to do. Um, For somebody that's listening that might be struggling, um, what are some of the obstacles and then how do we start bridging those gaps to make this easier to access? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question because I think we have to talk about the obstacles very transparently. And I think traditionally we have kind of shoved them under the rug. So I think that some of the main obstacles um, that, that I think about with not only responder um, community, but certainly all people, <laughs> but it's probably more forefront, um, is is really just the the lack of understanding of what resources are out there, first and foremost. Sure. Um, I think we sometimes maybe get a quick pamphlet of our benefits or our employee assistance program, um, and then that's where the story ends. Um, so I think there there needs to be a better transparent conversation about what all the resources are. How do you get connected? What does that look like? And then also from a standpoint of there is not one size fits all. You know, I love that I'm getting to know so many amazing people in this field because it makes makes me better equipped to understand what it would look like for somebody to seek out care in the way that's best for them. Right. So gathering those resources to be able to make an informed um, decision for yourself. And I think continuously doing that and having more and more exposure is naturally going to decrease the the stigma, but we know the stigma is strong. It's very um, culturally kind of integrated into the the emergency response world. And I've seen great changes with it, but it's got ways to go of the fear of reaching out, um, the fear of the repercussions at work. I read a study that um, for those that have not reached out for support in mental health, and have felt that they needed it, 47% said it was because they thought there was a true repercussion that would happen at work. And that's significant. Not many civilians can really say that about the line of work that they're doing or the role that they're playing. So that is, you know, hugely important. Like where internally do we interrupt that, that assumption, um, I think is, is one of the other obstacles. And then from a peer standpoint, I've heard so many great stories of how peers um, can help change that culture by talking openly with one another. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily need to always be from a professional lens, although, of course, that's important at times. Um, But to proactively have those conversations, just like we would ask about someone's physical well-being, we need to start asking about their mental well-being. Like you said, if you have a brain, you have mental health. Right. So let's start talking about it. Um, And I think that those are some of the main obstacles and also ways that we are going to um, to change the the stigma in the emergency response community. 
So you mentioned earlier those pillars of wellness and in incorporating nutrition and exercise and all of that. Is the work you all are doing at Sondermind, are you all able to integrate or blend some of those other um, modalities into the work that you're doing with the emergency responder community? Yeah, you know, we have a very well-rounded um, network of therapists. Okay. You know, we, we've leveraged their expertise um, as being less licensed mental health providers. Um, so about 85 different specialties are represented in Sondermind okay. and a lot of different modalities. So modalities um, in mental health basically mean the types of approaches that we use and the, fil- you know, the philosophy that we have about um, our clients. So it's a wide range. So beyond just maybe somebody being equipped to um, better understand what it means to be an emergency responder, they're coming at a lot of different angles and lens of, of how to approach their client. And then we also, as a community, really um, see, see the importance of that community alignment. So having a strong understanding from a Sondermine perspective of what other resources are out there. So that way we can share that with our, our community and our network. So if there is a need for maybe a higher higher level of care program that someone needs to go to, that's not us. Um, so we want to understand what does that mean for somebody to be able to transition and who would that be in a community that we can really vouch for. So again, aligned partnerships. Yep, Really exactly. working collaboratively. <clears throat> I, I love that approach. And I think that's what it's going to take because not a, not one of us is equipped to do all of the work that's needed um, and, and tailor-made experiences is what we were talking about earlier. You know, what do you think still stands in the way in the emergency responder community um, to really make a sustainable impact in doing this work? Yeah, you know, I think it goes back to a couple of the things I mentioned before, but I think the resources need to continue to grow. I think there's some really great ones out there. Um, But I think having a continued action towards specific for those in emergency response and not being neglectful of the um, specific needs that someone might have differently, um, that is day in, day out being exposed to those stressors. So continuing to grow that continue to bridge the, the communication between those organizations. So if I'm not the right person to be seeing you, I can help support you in finding the right person. Um, so I think the communication lines between organizations need, needs to continue and to be um, just as important as it is to spread the word of their own business and their own services. Do you think we're doing better at that? I definitely do. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I see gaps, but um, I think that there's a lot of really exciting ways that that's changing. I mean, even, even just the conversations that you're having um, here with with building a better resource and understanding of this tribe is so powerful right. that I can't imagine. We hope so. Quite a few years ago <laughs> that that was happening. You know, and I've been so inspired by doing this work and meeting people like yourself and just the conversations we've had in this series you know, there there is quite a bit of overlap in the work that's being done, but really the thing that has come from this, I think, is being able to identify those resources, which, of course, we're building a digital resource list yes. to support. Um, there are some really good resources out there, and I'm seeing that people do seem to have an interest in realizing, hey, we can't service all of the population or do all of these different things. You know, have you thought about going here or there? Um, to access services and said, and I do think that that is evolving and changing. Good. Um, I, I I love I love that approach because I just I think we the word you used earlier we all get so siloed in our work mm-hmm. that you know it's not for a lack of interest or a lack of passion. It's just we get focused on what we do and we do that well, and realizing that that doesn't necessarily paint the whole picture. Exactly. You know, somebody yes. may need help with. You know, something that we don't even treat or specialize or know how to treat or specialize, 
Um, and, and I think we have to be more adaptive in how we look at this. Yeah. And it makes it, us better at what we do. You know, I want to be successful at the discipline that I'm supporting right. rather than feeling like I need to support all areas. And that creates, I think, um, this this domino effect of, uh, of the concerns that are existing. Right. So if somebody that's listening is struggling and they may realize that they need some support or something has changed for them and, and want to reach out, what do you think are the healthy next steps for somebody to take? Like, wh- where do they start? Yeah, I think finding someone, you know, whether that be a colleague, a family member, um, reaching out to Sondermine, another one of the great resources out there, um, having someone that they're able to just open that conversation up with, right. first and foremost. Um, and and then um, being able to, to gather the information that is going to help them make an empowered decision. Um, I really am a believer in that is having the the plethora of resources out there and really comparing and contrasting to make a decision that seems best for the individual and to also be well aware that that might not be the be all end all, you know, choosing a path is powerful, but also might be just a path that might need to shift and pivot along the way. Um, When it comes to mental health, you know, it's, we try to make it as easy as possible for someone to get connected. Um, We, we have an online Form for you know it is 2019. Um, I can't believe it's almost <laughs> amazing. End of this decade, decade. It? Yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. Um, so we we have a very easy, uh, user friendly way to get connected on our website, sonarmind.com, okay. for someone to initiate that process. As well as we have a human phone team because we believe in connection and we know that ultimately many are wanting to reach out and talk to a human on how to get connected with a therapist for the first time. Specifically for emergency responders, we also have a um, URL set up that will indicate to our team that this is somebody that should be matched with one, one of those endorsed uh, responders, um, emergency responder clinicians like oh, I spoke great. about. Yeah. And I think that that helps, too, with with decreasing um, the obstacles. Um, you know, there there might be more ease at going behind a computer and starting that process than there sure. is to picking up the phone. So we want to to help that happen. So responderstrong.withsondermind.com is going to be that dedicated page um, for, for those in this field okay. to get connected to one of those endorsed clinicians. So that's from the lens of, of you know, Sondermind and getting those mental health resources. But like I said, I think most importantly is is taking a step and and being willing to to ask for that help because we certainly all need help at times. I, Absolutely, I probably still need it more than I'm willing to admit. We don't have to at talk moments. about that today. Okay, next time. Next, <laughs> you time. look great. <laughs> so, so somebody takes that next step. They go. They fill out a profile or they mm-hmm. make a call. What happens then with, yeah. the, with Sondermind? Yeah, the great question. So what happens then is it will go to our customer advocate matching specialist who will get that individual connected with a therapist that's best for the areas that they're describing. So what we take into account is um, payment type. So what insurance employee assistance program or cash pay that they're looking to use. So we okay. make sure that that person is in fact a network. Um, geographically, of course, we also ask questions such as how far are you willing to travel? Because we know that can be a larger obstacle for some than others. Um, schedule preferences, what areas you're looking to address so we can really start to narrow in on the specialties that are best suited. Um, and then our team is using all that information to match with the therapist kind of behind the scenes. Um, what the client can pers- uh, expect is to get a link sent to them 
uh, through their email. That will be a way that they set up their client portal. So we're all about transparency and they'll have their own client portal to be able to see their match therapist to put in their own um, payer information, insurance information, and have that exchange on there. Um, And then it comes down to getting that first appointment scheduled. So usually that match of a therapist between that them and a client is within 48 hours. And that's that first session, quickly. It, it's very quickly. Yeah. And that's again, kind of for us, one of the biggest things that we're looking to change is that, that accessibility. And that first appointment is generally within a week. Okay. So, and that's true for our emergency response clinicians as well, that we're consistently taking a look at that data to make sure that that's um, what we're able to um, support that supply and the demand. I love hearing that. So, you know, I lead support groups and I often hear from people, oh, well, I tried therapy and I didn't like the therapist or we didn't connect. And I find that that finding the right therapist is a little like dating. Yes. Um, And if you're going to sit down and be vulnerable with somebody, you have to uh, ensure that it's somebody that you can build a rapport and level of trust with. What happens if you come in for that first appointment and you don't connect with your therapist? What do you do then? Yeah. I love that you you brought that up because I think that that should also be more – out front of, of the first time someone reaches out. So our team, right from the start of the first conversation, will say, hey, if this is not the right fit of a provider for you, please let us know and we'll make sure to support you. Okay. So we we normalize that because it is so That's easy great. to be like, I made that step and I tried it. And it was terrible and I'm they never were doing awful. therapy again. Yeah, I've, I've heard yeah. everything, I'm sure, um, you know, and I get it. I didn't like the sound of their voice or <laughs> whatever right. it might be. So really validating that that is truly connected to outcomes. Um, I say that in my private practice as well. Um, I would love to make sure, you know, I would love to be on this journey with you. But if for whatever reason it's not best for both of us, let's let's be honest with each other so we can make sure that you do get the right support. Um, so not making it feel like, again, kind of back to this idea of um, being alone and, and that's that journey. So right. we'll, we'll support, a, we call it a rematch, um, to, to best understand and have the client to best describe, you know, what didn't work out well. Sometimes you can't really put your finger on it. And it's like, okay, we'll just try again. Other times it's something very specific that we maybe didn't search for um, in our initial. I like the fact that you all are approaching laying that foundation from the very beginning and saying things don't always work out with this person. Yeah, yeah. yeah and same for a therapist. You know, it's this delicate dance um, that I love that we're doing, but of course is always a challenge and an exciting one is we were looking to make our clients happy and have the best outcomes possible, but just as importantly, our therapists, because our therapists Absolutely. are our network. So, um, you know, what does it mean for them to serve the population that they want to? There's a scarcity feeling for oftentimes in, in mental health private practice of, I don't know if I'm going to get another client in the, the next couple of weeks, so I should probably just take this one. And we want to put a kibosh to that because that's not effective for anyone. And it's okay. certainly not for fulfilling for a therapist. So sure. just as importantly as we say, share that with the client of, let's find the right person for you. Let us know if it's not. To our therapist, we say, let's capitalize on what you um, specialize in, what you, co- you, you do feel competent in what you're excited about rather than just checking every box because that makes us feel like financially we're going to be able to be sustainable. I love that. And it sounds like that tailor-made approach is is well-suited for you all and for any clients that you're serving. Thank you for doing that work. Yeah. Um, so as we wrap up here, um, tell people again how they can get connected to Sondermind. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for anybody, you can go to our website, which is Sondermind.com. I'll spell it because it is a, a different word. Please. <laughs> S-O-N. D-E-R-M-I-N-D.com. 
Luckily, my spelling's on cue today. Um, and there's in the upper right-hand corner, it's um, a button that says match with a therapist. Okay. So pretty easy to get started that way. Or our um, local phone team, which is 720-330-3713. Okay. Um, and then for emergency responders specifically, um, that responder strong com. We'll go to the same online form, type of form, but it will be have an indicator for our team right away that says, hey, go ahead and connect this person with one of those emergency responder okay. clinicians so that that doesn't have to be um, disclosed directly. Right. Thank you again. I appreciate the work you're doing and how you're supporting the emergency responder community and everyone. Um, keep shining a bright light. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. We are glad you shared your time with us today. Thank you. If you or someone you know is struggling, we are here to help. You are not alone. The Connection Project has resources that can support you. I encourage you to check out the Everyday Brave digital resource list, which can be found on our website, www.realpeoplereallife.org. Until next time, thanks for listening.